This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During this fall quarter, fall of 2022, we're looking at Amos, Jonah, Hosea, and Micah, and now we finally gone through our study of Amos, Jonah, and Hosea, and we're turning to Micah. Bill Craig's going to be with us during these three weeks as we look at Micah. Bill, thank you for being with us today. I'm glad to be here. Uh, we are beginning our study of Micah. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12 of chapter 3. The focus here is about ungodly leaders and how they lead to God's wrath. We've outlined these verses this way. Verses 1 through 4, we've entitled Self-Serving Leadership. And in these verses, Micah called out the rulers of Israel for their distortion of justice seen in their self-serving policies. He explained that their calls to God would go unanswered because of their sin. Key walk away for us is that leaders of God's people are accountable to God for their actions. The second point looks at verses five through eight, which is corrupt prophets. In these verses, Micah also called out the people holding religious positions of Israel for using their positions for personal gain at the expense of proclaiming the truth. These corrupt prophets would eventually be ashamed when God refused to answer them. By contrast, Micah pointed out the sin of Jacob and Israel as directed by the Holy Spirit. A point for us is that God expects believers to stand for his truth. The last section of the outline, verses 9 through 12, is that responsibility is declared. In these verses, Micah declared that Jerusalem would be destroyed because of the unjust actions of its leaders. For us, we can understand that believers can trust God to enact justice. Bill, there's a lot of stuff in these 12 verses here. Um, let's start with this, uh, this question. Um, why should we expect God to listen to us when we're living a life that dishonors him? Well, that's a, that's a great question. As you said, there are a lot of rabbits to chase. So I think one of the things you want to do is avoid, avoid spending too much time on any one particular idea. Although as a teacher myself, I often allow my class to explore an idea that I think is significant for them. If it's something I think is especially significant for the class at that time in their lives. Our prayers can be hindered by the sin that's in our lives. We need to recognize that. A lot of times people think about that passage in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have a boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, and they think we have this um, opportunity to approach the throne of grace at any time with God, we forget that that passage also includes, like in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil, evil conscience. We forget that we are to draw near to God uh, when our hearts are uh, clean, when we have been forgiven of sin. You know, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, then we're cleansed. We're aligned with God's purposes for our lives. 
And really, prayer is always more about aligning ourselves with God's purposes than trying to convince God to do something for me. That's why Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray all those things and expect God to be at work around us. He hears us unhindered in our prayers when we're closely aligned with his will and his kingdom. And so we expect God to hear us, but we really should expect God to hear us when we are clean before him with our hearts forgiven for the sin that we've committed. This situation that Mike is addressing, are there other places in scripture uh, that would compare to it in some form or fashion? Well, there really, there really are. So we have uh, places like Isaiah 59, where Isaiah is speaking directly to uh, the, the nation about this very issue. So Isaiah 59 says, Indeed, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save, and his ear is not too deaf to hear, but your iniquities are separating you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. And Ezekiel, you know, we studied the book of Ezekiel not long ago this year, and I remember our class looking at verses in Ezekiel, especially like we get to Ezekiel chapter 22, the end of Ezekiel 22, and verse 23, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, say to her, you're a land that has not been cleansed, that has not received rain in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets within her is like a roaring lion tearing its prey. They devour the people. Anyway, he goes on eventually to say, they close their eyes to my Sabbath and I am profaned among them. And so the Lord says by the end of that passage in chapter 20, uh, 22, so I have poured out my indignation on them, consumed them with the fire of my fury. I brought their conduct down on their heads. This is the declaration of the Lord. He says, I searched for a man among them to stand in the gap, and there wasn't anybody there. And so uh, I, I have stopped heeding their prayers because they're no longer following me. That's what that passage is all about there. In That's a scary passage, isn't it? It is. It is. It's God's judgment on us when we have turned away from God and are no longer heeding his warning in our lives. Which is what you see happening here in Micah as well in this time period. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that the personal study guide points to, Bill, is a, this phrase, temple theology. Help us think through temple theology and how that same attitude might be seen today. So the idea of temple theology is the idea that the uh, Jewish leaders held in their hearts that if they had the temple, if they had God's presence uh, present with them, then they were uh, sort of immune. They were bulletproof because they had God and they had the temple. Jeremiah speaks specifically about this. So if you want to read more about this, you can go to the seventh chapter of Jeremiah, verse 4, verse 8, verses 12 through 15 in Jeremiah. You can see 
God speaking directly to the nation about this idea that just because they have the temple and they think that uh, they have God, they're not immune to God's judgment or immune to the consequences of sin. And so that, that issue really speaks to us. When we think that we are safe because uh, we're, we're, you know, we're spiritually safe because we're correct on one or two or a few items of theology or doctrine, uh, and those few issues give us cover to ignore other demands of the gospel, that's having the same attitude that the Jews had when they thought, oh, I've got the temple, we've got the worship of God that happens here, so it doesn't matter what my attitude is about other issues, because I have God with me. And I think we have to be careful about not letting that attitude seep into our attitude when we, when we think about our own lives and the relationship we have with God. Yeah, a book that comes to my mind about that subject, Bill, it's a little bit older book by Jerry Bridges named Respectable Sins, where he looks at how um, we, there's some sins that we view as respectable, like overworking and ignoring your family. So you work 100 hours a week. It's respectful because it's in our culture, you know, you're supposed to take care of your family, but, and you do want to take care of your family, don't get me wrong, but you neglect them in the process. And we respect that sin and we don't deal with it uh so it's kind of this kind of that same vein in what he's saying here it seems like it is i do think this is one word of caution this is one of the places where a class could take off on uh a political conversation about what the church should or shouldn't stand up for in the world and whether or not uh we as christians uh, are God's chosen people here because of some particular theology we have. So I think there's just a caution at this point that you don't want the discussion to devolve into that. You want to keep people thinking about their responsibility to hear God's word for their own lives and, and to stay connected to what God desires for them. Yeah, it would be easy for this lesson with the questions that are in the personal study guide uh, for it to go multiple directions. Like you have the one question here. I think this will be a great conversation starter, uh, but what is more hurtful an ungodly leader or an inept leader? Uh, another question here is what role should religious leaders play in shaping culture? And these are important questions uh, that need to be, be wrestled with some, but at the same time, they can, like you've mentioned, they could become political conversations. They could be, come pastor bashing or leader bashing. And that's not where we want to go with this lesson. What we want to focus on is our responsibility as leaders, because there may be places, there are places, all of us lead something. Uh, there are people looking up to us in some form or fashion. In fact, the final challenge for us as individuals in this lesson is for us to reflect on the responsibility we have to be a godly leader and examples to others and what needs to change in our lives for us to be more godly as a leader, as an example. So that's where the lesson's taking us to is for us to think about ourselves and not so look so much look at what everybody else is doing and failing because it is easy uh, to become a critic for everybody else and forget that we're just as guilty at that point. That's right. That's right. 
in this, this section, we have this idea of people being led and the leader being responsible, but is there responsibility for the, the people who are following that leader? Uh, and if so, to what degree? Well, absolutely. And this is where the idea of discernment comes into play. So if you think about the spiritual gift of discernment and just the responsibility we have as believers to be discerning, this is where that discernment comes in, into play. Now, we do have an accountability to the leaders that God puts over us. We are, uh, if we are part of the congregation that God has given a leader to, and that leader is, is faithfully following what God has called him and that community to do, if we're going to be part of that community, we have a responsibility to that leader. But we're also to beware of false teachers. So Acts chapter 20, you know, Paul reminds uh, the people that they need to beware of the wolves that are going to come in among them. And 1 John says the same thing. And even Jesus talked about this in Matthew uh, chapter 7, uh, verse 15. You know, Jesus said, be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing and are inwardly are ravaging wolves. So we have this accountability to have discernment about the leaders we have to make sure that what they're doing is uh, in accord with God's word and where God is leading. Uh, and you have to balance that with the authority those leaders have in a congregation or with his people. Because you brought up the false teachers here is they're receiving payment for their teaching and prophesying. And that's a problem here. Does that negate our responsibility to pay ministers for their services? Yeah, not at all. So this is where it's important to take the whole counsel of God's word to understand that the Bible teaches that the workman is worthy of his wages. And uh, there's nothing in God's word that says we ought to not pay or not take care of the ministers and pastors around us. We are obligated to do that as they work alongside us. The issue here in this day was not that the priests and the other religious leaders were uh, being paid. It's that they were expecting bribes. They were expecting people to pay them to prophesy or to teach or to lead in a way that was beneficial to the people who were paying the bribe. So they were looking to make money out of the system rather than just to earn the living that God expected them to have being his servant in that place. So there's a big difference between, oh, yeah. uh, between the idea that the leaders were taking bribes and the idea that we ought to care for those ministers and pastors around us. Yeah, it's, it's, Two different, completely two different situations in being referenced at this point. Yeah, um, it really is. Are there any other key thoughts or ideas you would share from Micah chapter three, Bill? Well, I think this lesson is a great lesson for us to think about our own personal accountability uh, as a leader. All of us are leaders at some point in our life. We, we have children or grandchildren who look up to us. We have a, a position of leadership in our family or in the community or in the church. 
And God expects us to come before him with clean hearts, to align ourselves with his will and his desires, and then to pursue his agenda, not our own. And uh, it's in doing that that the Lord will bless us rather than judge us. And so that's what we're seeking to do in this lesson. Bill, thank you for sharing with us today. Bill will be back with us next week. Uh, before we go, let me encourage our listeners to look at the blog post found at goexplorethebible.com forward slash blog. Every Thursday, a new post is added. These posts will help you better understand the Explore the Bible resources and the ideas behind these resources. That's goexplorethebible.com forward slash blog. Once again, thank you for listening to us today. Hope you'll encourage other teachers to tune in next week. We'll be looking at session 12. Bill will be with us again. We look at passages from Micah chapter 4 and Micah chapter 5. The main idea that we'll be focusing on is peace and security come through obedience to God. Thank you.